In Chinese Buddhism, Ahat are very popular figures. They are Buddhist disciples who have achieved the Buddhist enlightened state of Nirvana. Their Chinese name is Lohan. They are well known for their great wisdom, courage and supernatural power and due to their abilities to ward off evil, they have become guardian angels of Buddhist temples and are depicted in many Buddhist artworks. Usually they appear in a group and 500 Ahats is a commonly seen combination. In Dunhuang Mogao Cave 285, the story of the previous life of the 500 Ahats is painted on the wall and it turns out that these Buddhist guardians have an evil past. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. In our previous episode, we explored the fantastic ceiling murals of Cave 285 and met various deities, especially the sun god and moon god of both Chinese and other cultures. In this episode, we will continue to explore this fantastic cave and discover the proof that indicates when the cave was built. There's a lot more to see in Cave 285. It's a blend of Buddhism, Chinese mythology, Taoism, and Indian and Central Asian cultures. In the early time of Buddhist expansion in China, monks believed that local traditional beliefs could be mixed with Buddhism in order to make the religion more easily acceptable. Therefore, they often reinforced Buddhist teachings through locally relevant concepts. Inside Cave 285, you can find traditional Chinese mythological figures and gods of other cultures, as well as wall paintings in different artistic styles. The mural decoration of the whole cave is extremely innovative and unusually well-preserved, with brilliant, undimmed colouring and lively depictions. The most important and famous mural in this cave is on the middle part of the south wall. It is more than six meters long, depicting a well-known Buddhist story, the Forest of Recovered Eyesight, also known as the Conversion of 500 Bandits. The story goes like this. Once upon a time, there were 500 bandits in an ancient Indian kingdom. They robbed grain houses and rebelled against the government. The angry king sent armies to suppress the bandits. After a fierce battle, the 500 bandits were outnumbered and captured. To punish them, the government took away their clothes and dug out their eyes. However, the punishment did not stop there. After the punishment, they were sent to wild forests far away from the towns and left with no food or shelter. The 500 bandits started running around howling. Buddha heard their calls. He used his power and blew magical powder into their eyes. All of a sudden, the bandits recovered their eyesight. They were appalled to see the Buddha walking towards them. They gratefully knelt in front of the Buddha and listened to his preaching. Buddha said calmly, By living in this world, 
one has to experience many sufferings. But as long as one avoids bad deeds and practices good deeds, one would leave the sea of bitterness and enter the pure land. After hearing Buddha's teachings, the bandits started repenting and converting to Buddhism. Buddha shaved them and began to teach them Buddhism. From then on, the 500 bandits followed Buddha, practicing in the mountains. After many years of austerity, they became the 500 Ahats. So, that's the story of the 500 Ahats, or Lohan in Chinese. This story fully embodies the Buddhist idea of putting down the butcher's knife and becoming a Buddha on the spot. Which means even an evil person, if he confesses and repents to Buddhist thought, can still reach enlightenment. Constrained by limited space, the painters of Cave 285 used five bandits instead of 500, but the whole story is well illustrated with a clear storyline. Scenes of war, interrogation, punishment, confession and preaching have all been included. At the beginning, five robbers are fiercely fighting against well-equipped government soldiers and cavalrymen. The officers and soldiers ride armoured horses, wear helmets and armour and hold long spears, fighting against robbers in red and black robes and linen shoes. This picture is a valuable resource for the study of ancient military affairs. Then the mural shows the robbers being captured and sent for punishment, half-naked with their hair loosened, bodies covered with wounds and kneeling on the punishment stage. The ferocious executioners start with sharp knives. Immediately blood spatters all over the place and the bandits wail. The painting is so appealing it's as if you can hear the heartbreak crying of the robbers after their eyes are gouged out. The plot of the mural story is coherent as if you're watching a continuous movie. Many detailed depictions show the profound artistic skills of the painters. For example, when the five robbers are tortured in the mountains and forests, all of them are drawn with upright hair and scrawny bodies. Their grief, anger and despair are uncontrollable and they run wildly, uttering heart-ripping cries of anguish. After the robbers convert to Buddhism, the atmosphere of the whole painting changes sharply. The five shaved robbers sit in front of the Buddha peacefully and listen to his teachings. There's a large pool painted in front of the Buddha with clear waves, growing lotus and joyful waterfowl. There are flowers dropping from the sky. It seems to imply that appearance is born from the heart and the state is created by the heart. If a man abandons evil, pursues good and cultivates merit, the surrounding environment becomes beautiful and full of vitality accordingly. In addition to the structure and design of the various scenes, the painting technique is also worth mentioning. Some of the figures in Cave 285 are painted in the skillful lines-only technique, or Bei Miao in Chinese, an outline drawing method adopted from central China, the most developed part of the country. This new artistic style has a strong influence on Dunhuang murals.
Examples of this technique can be seen in the Apsaras, the flying goddesses, playing harps and floating in blue clouds on a white background. Another unique painting style in Cave 285 reflects the fashion of the time. On the north wall, above the niches, are seven groups of preaching scenes, with Buddha sitting in the middle and a pair of bodhisattvas standing aside. Beneath them are figures of donors painted in groups, each is about 18 centimeters high. The bodhisattvas and donor figures are slim and elegant. They are dressed in loose attire with big sleeves and long flying sashes. This is due to the stylistic influence of southern China that was evident in the 6th century. Aristocrats in southern China advocated the thought of immortals and had a special interest in slender and fairy-like human images. This elegant, aesthetic style was fashionable in the Dunhuang grottos built in the Western Wei era. The images were drawn to resemble Chinese immortals, tall, slim, demure and feminine. The proportion of the size of the head to the body is in the ratio of 1 to 8 instead of the real-life ratio of 1 to 6.5. Finally, it's time to unveil the proof of when this cave was built. If you take a close look at the seven preaching scenes, you will find some Chinese characters written on the wall. Reasons for the donations are inscribed under the Buddha and beside each donor figure is a vertical panel with an inscription of their names. These precious lines provide solid clues for the construction of the cave as it records the murals on the north wall were painted during the 4th and 5th year of the Datung era of the Western Wei which is between AD 538 and 539. This makes Cave 285 the earliest dated cave among the Dunhuang Caves. Back to the images of the donors. The males and females appear in different costumes. The male donors are in nomadic garments, the outfit of those who resided in the western regions. According to the names on the wall, they could be ancient Iranians called Sogdians who had long been active in promoting cultural integration with China. The females are in long, striped skirts, which were the epitome of fashion in central China at that time. The murals of Cave 285 provide us proofs of cultural exchange and fusions that took place along the ancient Silk Road. It also shows that in the history of human civilization, different civilizations and religions can live in harmony and coexist. Before we wrap up this episode, here is another astonishing fact. According to the cruel law of the Northern Wei Kingdom, to avoid familial unrest and civil war, the mother of a new heir to the dynastic throne must be executed. She was usually the queen of the royal family. The fashions, styles, and most significantly the rules of society certainly influenced the stories and myths of the time. Maybe the sacrifice of those queens also had a hold over the Chinese mythology of the time, as we will see for the first time in Cave 249, with a goddess called the Queen Mother of the West, 
And that's another story of Dunhuang, which we will tell next time. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and San Liang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang. <laughs>